1: Okay, this morning I want to attempt to speak to us on the theme, the motive of Christmas. And um, several things were running through my mind, and um, I was asking the Lord, What do we do? What are you saying? And quite a few things, you know, were standing out. And one of them was that um, Christmas is loaded like we've already seen and we've discussed here a few times before now. It's a season, and it's more than a season. It's a message. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation, praise the Lord, that people travel, that everywhere changes, that there's an atmosphere to it. It's not just ordinary, praise the Lord. There yeah, is really something about Christmas, not just the memories and the nostalgia. There's really something about it. And um, my prayer is that we will get you know, into the center of it and benefit from it in the name of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says to us in John 3 verse 16, which we do know well, what does it say? It says, For God what, so loved that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever... Believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Now, Christmas is God giving his only Son. Praise the Lord. Giving his only Son so that man would not perish unwillingly. Okay? Because if you notice in that passage, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believes in him, would not perish. Notice that the giving of the son did not stop perishing. But whosoever believes would not perish. So perishing became a choice. Before Christmas, perishing was not a choice. It was a destination. It was a sentence. Praise the Lord. It was a sentence. But because of Christmas man is no longer sentenced to die man has a hope man has a future man has a way jesus christ says i am one the way the truth and i'm the life so in christ in jesus in christmas god made a way that man should not perish anymore praise the lord and i want to as a form of introduction begin to tell you that this very news is an expression of the goodness of God. You know, so many things to it, and I trust the Holy Spirit to help us. The goodness of God. Let me say the goodness of God. Because if you knew the history, man should perish. And perish very well. Praise the Lord. But the goodness of God, thank God, God is God. Hallelujah. Thank God, God is not a man. Thank God God is not like man. Thank God God is not one bit less than God. Praise the Lord. Thank God he's God. His goodness is incomprehensible. His goodness, we could never really begin to know how good God is. You know, we look at the life of Jesus and we see some of the things that happened there. A woman was caught in adultery. You know the story. And she was caught in the act. Praise the Lord. Now, this is the holy one. This is the sinless one. And the men brought her before Jesus, ready to stone her. And they said to Jesus, but what do you say? Now, these men, like we know in the story, had also committed their own acts, which, you know, we don't know which one they committed. But they were all sinners in varying degrees. But right there and then, they were ready to stone her to death but the one who the only one who was holy the only one who was just the only one who was righteous in their midst was the one who was not ready to stone down what was his word to her? he said go i do not condemn you go and say no he said i do not condemn you that is to begin to let you know how good god is compared to man you know the bible teaching says if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts Praise the Lord. It's not a measure. It's just to begin to tell you how far removed, how much greater the goodness of God is. Praise God. So the Bible makes us understand, you know, in Exodus 33, 19, he said to Moses, he says, I will make all my goodness to pass before you. I will make all my goodness to pass before you. And in the next chapter, 34, verse 6 and 7, he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Then 34, verse 6 and 7. He began to proclaim the name of the Lord, and it says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, what? Merciful and gracious, long suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for how long? Thousands. The Bible says, New are his mercies. How often? daily every day new message he gives to you and i he says he does what he forgives iniquity and transgression and sin okay but now notice he didn't stop there he made a statement that he says what by no means what clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity how can how do you combine The one that is gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, keeping mercy, forgiving iniquity. How can there still be a guilty one? Praise the Lord. There could still be a guilty one when you refuse his offer. Christmas is an offer. For God so loved the world that he did what. He gave his only be that whosoever. The fact... The point that Jesus came into the world does not mean Jesus has come into everybody's heart. And that's why in the drama of Christmas, it was made sure to be recorded that there were found no room for him. So he came, but there was what? No room for him. And then John 1, 11 and 12 begins to say, but as many as what? Received him. Received him. So God has given, praise the Lord. But there has to be what? are receiving so in the Exodus 34 we read the goodness of God the mercies of God the forgiveness of God have to be received some people will not receive it praise the Lord it's not automatic and that's part of his goodness his goodness is that he doesn't compel anything on anybody he doesn't it's an amazing dimension of goodness because you and I know as parents sometimes when we feel are sure that something is good for a child our word we compel it on them am i right and because the bible says with our limited knowledge we discipline our children as it seems best to us but look at god god doesn't even treat us that way so but what he continues to do is he keeps enlarging the dimensions of his mercy. he keeps extending he keeps increasing he keeps waiting he keeps calling out Praise the Lord. And that's why many times in our lives, in life, it's as though the wicked live long. Have you noticed that I was speaking to someone recently and um, a particular very wicked man in Nigeria. And they were saying the man said he's not afraid of that. I said, I don't even want him to die. What does it benefit God? What does it benefit you, a Christian, if the wicked dies? They'll just go to hell and Satan will win one person, isn't it? So let him live long live long to see the consequences of his wickedness and possibly come to repentance praise the lord and then with his own mouth begin to proclaim everywhere that wickedness does not pay you understand what i'm saying that's god god gives long robes god is patient god is long suffering okay so in christmas we see the demonstration of the goodness of god We see the demonstration of the long suffering of God and we step back a bit to begin to understand this. You know, this passage of scripture that says he that is in Christ is what? A new creation. This morning, it came to me a different way. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, isn't it? And then in verse 2, the Bible says he formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the bread of life. And further down, I think in 16, 17, 17, God said to man, this tree of the garden, the day you eat it, what will happen? You will surely die. Now, did man eat it? Now, let me make you understand something very important now. With what did God create the world? With his what? word. With his word now if with his word also he says the day man eats of the fruit what will happen so what happened in Genesis 3 go to Genesis 3:6 and 7 now where man actually ate so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes a tree desirable to make one wise she took of his fruit ate she also gave to her husband and he what now stop here now based on the word of God what has happened to man man has died you know why? That's what the word says. The word that is sustaining the sun says the day you ate it, not five. The moment man ate it, man did what? Man died. Man died. Now the rest of man's existence was a living death. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. But now, Further down in that account, we begin to also see the goodness of God being introduced. If you now come down to verse 17, if you move down to 17 and 19, you see where God began to speak to man. Let's read together. Then to Adam he said, "One, well, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. What did he say? cursed is the ground for your sake now remember god blessed everything that he had made he looked at everything he made and said it was what it was good when man ate that fruit he overturned all of god's creation and it got worse He said, cursed is the ground in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life he says both thorns and thistles they shall bring for you and you shall eat the herb of the field now look at verse 19. this is the one that is sad he said in the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread Till you do what? You return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. Now truly man was formed out of dust. But man was not just dust. God created the animals out of dust. And they had life. But only in man did God put what? His breath. Now but look at this man that God is talking to now. You can see that there is no mention anymore of God's breath. Why? Because that had died. God had withdrawn his breath. So man from Genesis 3.19 was a dead man. He was a dead creation. And that's why the Bible can say he that is in Christ is a new. There is a new Genesis. The moment somebody becomes born again is a new creation. A new thing had to happen because the old one had been messed up. Are you understanding it? So, that is what Christmas began to set the stage. Now, I make another point, very important that you understand that. Now. now, God in his goodness is a God of discipline. You see, sometimes I just fear God. Because if I had one billionth of God's power, I wouldn't be disciplined. You know what it means to have power? Do you understand? You have power. There is a function, they say, starting by 9 a.m. You come by 12. It hasn't started. When you come is when it starts. If that is the case, why will you now struggle to come by nine? It takes discipline. You are the one who makes the rules. Nobody can enforce the rules on you. Are you with me? But God in his awesomeness has decided also to be a God that is principled. So when man sinned, God could have used his God power to assume now, for taking out his love for man now, to restore man. But he couldn't. He said to the serpent, Oh, you have deceived my creation. You have bruised his heel. Now, watch what is going to happen in the same Genesis 3. It says the seed of the woman is going to come. And he will do what? Bruise your head. God didn't say, I will bruise your head. Why? Because he's a God of principle. Many of us here now, if you send your child to school and his classmate beats him, you go there and want to beat the classmate, isn't it? But he said, the fight is between some class 3 boys. Let it remain there. When man sinned, it was a fight of his creation. Creator could not get involved in the fight. The principle of God made sure he had to remain at that level. So God looked at the serpent and said, You've done me, but I will not come down to your level. I'm going to raise one like you. One I created who will deal with you. He will come to you at your level. So it says the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. You have bruised his heel, but he will do what? Bruise your head. That's why Christmas had to be. That's why God had to become man. That's why the virgin had to bring forth. Because the one who will restore man, the one who will fight this fight, was not going to be God. He had to be man. Unless God will be said to be unjust, he'll be breaking his own rules. Remember when he created it, he said, let man have what? Dominion. If man is having dominion on earth and God comes to fight on earth, what has he done? He has interrupted man. So Christmas is God introducing the man, capital letter man, that will deal with the man The serpent who had what? Disrupted his agenda. So when you look at Christmas, the motive of Christmas is redemptive. You can't remove Christmas from Easter. You can't even, that's why I say the three M's of Christmas. There's the motive of Christmas, there's the miracle of Christmas, and then there is the most of Christmas. You can't also remove rapture from Christmas. Because what is going to happen now, remember that when man fell, the earth became cursed. Now, let me answer your question. Many of us are asking questions. Why are things this way? It's because the earth is cursed. The earth has not been redeemed. Man has been redeemed. For the earth to be created is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But before that time there will be rapture. It's the most of Christmas. God must take those who belong to him. Take them out and renovate. You don't renovate your house with your clothes inside the house. With your treasures there. So the three M's. There's the motive, the reason, the why. Then there's the miracle. Which is where many times we focus on the virgin birth and all of that. But there's the most of christmas because what he began he has to finish he has to come back and say where are those who received me if you go to israel on pilgrimage most likely they'll take you to the place where they say jesus was born did i When i was laughing you know why i was laughing i knew it was a lie because even in his time they didn't know where he was born it was so negligent it was so insignificant how could they remember five years after nobody will know which of the bands do you understand? But then we know he was born. Do you understand? So it's okay, I mean, for that purpose. But you see, when it happened, it wasn't big news to them. Okay? So Jesus was God's redemptive measure. Christmas had to take place. Man, A man had to be born who would stand up to Satan and beat him hands down in his game. Praise the Lord. And when Jesus was going to come in, he also had to be a man who had none of his own sins to pay for. Praise the Lord. Because if you're running from EFCC, if EFCC has the unwanted list, can you bail someone from EFCC? If you have a case in the police station, can you go there to bail another person? Even wisdom will tell you not to come because if you come, it will be double wahala, isn't it? Praise God. So it had to be someone Who had nothing and that's why the bible says the prince of this world comes and what he finds nothing in me he finds nothing in me and let me tell you something people of God when Jesus was born though he was God he remained all of God but you know what the same way the clothes you're wearing belong to you but when you go to bath you don't go to bath with the clothes why you strip yourself of that glory when Jesus was coming, when He was born as a man, He emptied Himself of the glory of God, because if He carried all of that, Satan would have been saying, "No, there is are cheating here." That's why, when He finished the work, He said to the Father, "Restore to me the glory which I had with you before. I've finished the work as a man. Give me my God glory." Say, so "Let this mind be in you, which was also you." So God being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be, but made himself. He came making himself of no reputation. Because Satan needed to be confronted. Why? Because man had to be redeemed. So when you think Christmas, please think the goodness of God. Think the redemption of God. Why? Because man was desperately lost. Man's vileness had increased. Man's hopelessness had multiplied. Man's guiltiness was apparent. But at Christmas, his goodness appeared. That's why the choir was singing—a heavenly choir. That explains the feelings you have at Christmas. It was the meeting, the measure of the goodness of God and the vileness of man, and the goodness swallowed the vileness. That's why we can sing. Somebody just sing a song to him. Sing, ding dong, merry, whatever it is you sing, even if it's the one choir singing, swinging, swungun. You know, even songs that don't make sense. Just sing it. You see, Christmas is a matter. It's a coalition. Yes, politics are spoiled our mind. Whenever you think, you think coalition. It's coalition. You see, they jam God's goodness jammed with man's badness, man's deadness jammed with God's liveness, and God's liveness won. He says, "I'm the way, the truth, and what? I'm the life, says, I'm the resurrection." And he say, "He that believes in me, even though he were what?" dead he shall live why because i came to restore the dead i knew you were dead before i started coming i came with power to bring life that's what christmas says. man was dead yes man was building castles you know man was you know having gold and all of that but man was dead as far as the records of heaven were concerned so the bible says the first adam talking about man and the first adam he says come with me to first corinthians 15 please 21 and 22 he said for sins by man came what death by man also came the." okay we've dealt with that he said for as in adam what happened all die in adam when man sinned in adam everybody died everybody related the living bible please let's see how it says he says everyone related anybody related to adam here okay he says death came into the world because of what one man Adam did and it's because of what this other man Christ has done that what there is now resurrection from the day 22 please he said everyone dies because all of us are what related to Adam good people unquote bad people unquote everybody dies being members of his sinful race and wherever there is sin death results but what all who are what related to Christ what happens to them they rise again that's the beauty of christmas he came so that you can become his relative he says emmanuel god with us the bible calls him the king's man redeemer he didn't come as some. he came as a brother that's why he had to make that statement we looked at a few sundays ago where he made that statement he said my mother and my sister and my brothers are who he didn't say they were jews he didn't say there were those of the tribe of Judah. He said those who hear the word. Of, by that statement, he had given you standing. When they want to check your DNA, say like, I believe his word and I do it. Hallelujah. And then he can confidently, boldly say to the father, this is my brother. This is my sister. Why? Because that is what, you know, they say blood is thicker than water. Obedience to the word of God is stronger than blood. When you obey the word of God, you become part and parcel of God. Praise the Lord. Because we have been born again, the Bible says, of what? The incorruptible, the incorruptible seed. This morning, I just want us to see, even in the Christmas story, come with me to Luke chapter 2, and see where this thing carries out, because you and I must understand the motive, the reason for. The reason for. We bless God for the celebrations. We bless God for the atmosphere. We bless God for just that general feeling that nobody can deny. You know, in Europe... You know, and most of the Western world is white Christmas, you know. And here is white Christmas also. Who doesn't see the white? Huh? Go outside and lift your eyes to the sky. What do you see? Is it not white? It's white now. The season has to change. Praise God. Something, they happen. Okay, so in Luke chapter 2, come with me to Luke chapter 2. I'll read and I will jump. Okay, so that we can cover and round up quickly. It says... Um, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now look at, we're going to look at two groups of people here who were mentioned in this story. The first group are the shepherds. And the Bible says, now there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a what? Savior. Know that word. Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying. Note, when they had seen him, right? They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who had marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things to heart. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Praise God. So just know the shepherds and their response. We're going to come back to them. Let's read 22. Now, when the days of our purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is written in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, not that one, which you have prepared before all the face of the before the face of all peoples. A light, not the word light, to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The Bible says, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts be revealed. Okay, another person now, Anna, and then we are done. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Let's stop here. Praise the Lord. Now, Jesus is born and it pleased God. It was necessary for God to allow heaven to announce his birth. And those who had this privilege were the shepherds. And verse says, there were shepherds in the neighborhood, and the angel appeared in their midst. They became afraid. Say, don't be afraid. This is good news that I bring. Okay? For today is born to you in the city of David, what, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is the sign. You're going to find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He is the Savior of Israel. And then the Bible says, a multitude of heavenly hosts appeared together with this angel and were praising God, praising God, glory to God in the highest. So that explains all the carol around Christmas. we just do what heaven was doing. Praise the Lord. Now, when the angels left, the Bible says this shepherd, they went to see whether what was told them was true. And they actually went and the Bible says they found the baby, just as the angel said, isn't it? And then what happened? They left, found the baby, and then they did what? They left. They left and said, this is what happened. Though. This is what we saw. Now, I don't blame the shepherds. Praise the Lord. I don't think they failed woefully. But the other day I was thinking, if there were shepherds in Jesus' time, how come almost majority, 10, almost or 9 of his uh, disciples, out of all of them, there was no shepherd? Do you know that it's possible his disciples should have come from shepherds? What did Jesus say to Peter at the end? Peter was a fisherman. What did he say to him? He said, be a shepherd. He said, feed my lambs. Could it be that they did not correctly handle the revelation of the Christ? Could it be that they celebrated like many are celebrating Christmas today? And if you ask anybody, what is Christmas? Ah, the birth of Christ. Hallelujah. It's a good time. It's a time to feel good and do good, isn't it? Nobody misses that. It's a time to exchange gifts. It's a time to exchange love. There's nothing wrong with that. Praise the Lord. If you love God, you must love your brethren as well. So there's nothing wrong with all of that. They didn't do anything wrong. But can I tell you something that was a problem? The shepherds did not know the story. They were not coming from Genesis chapter 2. They did not know that man was dead and that this Christ that was being born was born that man may no longer die. They did not understand the import of Jesus being born. So, I mean, if you saw heavenly choir, you'd be excited for at least the next three months or even three years, isn't it? It's a spectacular thing. But if you knew you were condemned to die, even if there was no choir, and they said to you, the governor has visited and randomly has picked you one out of the condemned criminals, you will not be killed again. You're going free. You will rejoice for the rest of your life. That's the difference. The shepherds celebrated the news they got. But a group of people, the Bible talks about Simeon. He said this man was full of the Holy Ghost. What was he waiting for? He was waiting for the redemption of Israel. You see, you're learning what you're learning so you understand what Christmas is about. So that when you think Christmas, your level changes. You see the goodness of God every battle, every current timely circumstance you face. You remember that God, who sent His Son to redeem all of mankind, is coming your way. You are not forgotten, you're not abandoned, you're not forsaken. The message of Christmas is that there is a redeemer. There's a redeemer rather, you're lost, but someone is searching for you. Praise the Lord, terribly lost. But someone has his eye on you. He's tracking you. That's what the Christmas is about. So the shepherds, the soul of that, in fact, their own encounter was more spectacular. Their own encounter was spectacular. Look at that. Angel announced to them, and they heard a heavenly choir. And like we said the other day, it wasn't one of them. So even if some doubts began to rise, the other person said, I saw it too. The angel was wearing this. He was wearing this. So so they agree. But in all of that, we don't see them getting into the place where it benefits them personally. Tell your neighbor, may this Christmas benefit you. May this Christmas become your personal property. Do you understand? I mean what I'm saying. Because you can do Christmas. Listen, when you buy new clothes, you know who benefits? Mommy bought you new clothes, right? You know who benefits? The shop owner. You eat the rice, you know who benefits? I don't know who benefits when you eat rice. If you're like me, after you eat it, you have to go and work it out. So you even lose for eating it. You see, the shepherds, they encountered it. They were in the midst of it. All of that. But there was no benefit. They just returned to shepherding again and continued. But Simeon comes on the scene and he made a statement. He said, now I can depart. He said, my purpose is fulfilled. I have seen the Lord's cry. What's he saying? It meant that all his life, he was waiting for it. What are you waiting for Christmas? for? Are you saying to yourself, Satan, all the challenges I'm facing, you couldn't stop Christmas. The same way you can't stop my joy. The Bible says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy, surely joy, Is coming in the morning. You see, the revelation of Christmas gives you a quietness that carries strength. It's a type of revelation that Peter had that made him sleep in stocks. I don't know what type of anointing Peter had, but he was bound in stocks between two soldiers and he was sleeping as so deeply that the angel had to tap him to wake him up. You know why? He knew his Redeemer lived. Are you hearing me? Simeon said, this is what I've been waiting for. I've seen prophets come and go. Praise the Lord. I've seen all kinds of things happen. But I know that there is a redeemer. I know. The Bible says, Abraham looked for the day, rejoiced to see the day. Every prophet, like we said on Wednesday, had prophesied the coming of the Christ. This man said, I want to see him. Now the Bible didn't tell us his age. Who knows? Okay, who knows how old he was? Who knows how long he had waited? But the promise was made to him. Simeon, you're asking something that is important to me. And I will grant you that request. May the Lord grant you your request that is important to God. Hallelujah. Your request that is what? Important to God. It's a wise man that requests something that is important to God. Solomon did. And you know what happened for him? He said give me wisdom to rule your people and god said ah you are asking for my own i'm asking you to ask for what you need and you're asking for what i need because of that i will give you what you have asked for and then give you what i know men like praise the lord shimeon said let your servant now depart in peace why because my eyes have seen your word salvation christmas is a time for salvation. It's a time for salvation. That's the announcement. It came from heaven to show the way. Heaven met with earth, broke through, and arrived so that men can break through out of earth and make it to heaven. Because of Christmas, no man should go to hell again. It's beautiful to share rice. It's beautiful to visit the poor. It's But more than that, please spread the good news of Jesus' salvation by whatever means. I was watching a TV program, you know, a state was doing a carol service. And the preacher got on to preach. And took time, you know his whole sermon, the similarity or similitude of Christianity with Islam. The man is a Muslim, now I I realize. The governor, he was praising the governor. There's nothing wrong if someone does well, praise him. But he just took time to just tell them that Islam and uh, Christianity are the same. I said, on Jesus' birthday, you know they fear? If it's on any other day, praise God. If it's a feast of a Tabernacle, feast of Ingadry, but Jesus' birthday, that the Bible says, whosoever does not confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God is not his. Do Muslims confess that? Then we can't be the same God. This man was just so stuck. In my heart, I said, Lord, please make me Babylonian so I can call every preacher and dash them money so that when they want to preach, they won't think money. I'm telling you. I mean, I say, I say, what else will make this man say this thing? If not that the governor, the weight of his honorarium will be determined by the direction of his message. Oh yes, that's why. Please, don't want preachers to be poor. When they are poor, it's you that will suffer because the message they will bring to you will be a message. It will be a message of survivor. Jonas, Let the preacher be eating and well fed. So that when he comes, he will swing and say, Thus says the Lord. Do you understand? The man was, I was looking at him. I had to research it. I was, I didn't understand. So sad. Beautiful carol. The choir sang nice song. You could see the display, everything there. And I said, what a waste of Christmas. Every opportunity of Christmas is to announce to man, God has sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should know what? Perish. You must now perish by choice, not by circumstance. There's nobody who cannot be saved. Nobody. Nobody has an excuse now for going to hell. Because God has infiltrated our world. He says, Whosoever calls, think about it. Do you know how easy it is to call? Calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. That's why the angels were rejoicing. Angels were saying, Finally, a way has been made for man. Vile man, wicked man. And Christ comes into the heart of a man. Who here is a witness with me that Christ can turn a man's heart, He can kill lust, He can kill greed. He can kill wickedness. He can kill unforgiveness. He can kill vengeance. He kills all of He makes a child of God out of a child of the devil. Listen to me. Do you know that the same way when man fell, that Satan entered into man and spoiled everything. Now, the same way when God comes into you. That's why I don't understand Christians that make excuses for living in sin. And when you speak holiness, it's as though you're speaking to him. If you could be a sinner, 100%. Why can't you live righteously 100%? Have you thought about it? If men could be really bad because the devil... Have you heard people say, the devil made me do it? The devil made them do it. You've heard it. Why shouldn't you and I be walking about and surprise ourselves and our world? And they say, ah, you mean, you mean that they wanted to bribe you with $5 million? And He said, Jesus made me do it. Why should it seem, I mean, impossible? If the devil can make someone do something, then in the same vein, Jesus can also make someone do it. Praise the Lord. So, but if you don't understand it, you just, you know, talk about it. Do you know the shepherds talked about Christmas? But they had no need. Do you know that what you have no need for, or rather what you don't know your need for, you will not apply. It said that if the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is what? Inevitable. That's what Christmas is. If you don't know Christmas, you will laugh, you will jump, you will play, you will visit, you will do all of that. But you will not take in what the purpose was. The Bible gave us three groups of people. Thank God there were two that gave us good examples. The shepherds, they talked about it, just like everybody. Nobody can really ignore Christmas. The other day, we were going to buy Christmas uh, trees. and we saw some Muslim women, they were buying their own too. Ah, Christmas, praise God, you know. Hallelujah. Maybe they, they have a business, maybe they have a restaurant. I mean, who, who have a restaurant now and not want to put Christmas decoration? You understand what I'm saying? So, so I mean, talk about it and all of that. But to know what it's about and to take it in and to eat it, Simeon said, Now, now I can die. Why? Because Christ has been born. Has Christ been born in your heart? Are you ready to die? You know, when you stand and you talk about dying for the Christian, Christian shake. you don't understand Christmas. After Christmas, the Apostle Paul says, For me, he says to live his what? To live his Christ, to die is gain. Jesus said, I've come, I've visited you. What do friends do? Good friends, what do they do? They visit one another. Jesus said, I've visited you. I've come to your world, isn't it? I'm now going to my world to prepare a place for you. That where I am what? You must, have. and if I don't prepare a place for what am I going to do? He said, "I'm going to come and take you back." He visited, so you and I can do what? That I can visit. This word is no longer yes. Visit and remain there until the earth is renovated. Praise the Lord until the new Jerusalem comes down. That's what is It's simple. That's what Christmas is about. So we sing, we dance. Yes, we do all of that. But let's advance with Simeon. Look at the word. It says salvation. What does salvation mean? It means to bring out. It means to save. It means to rescue. It means to take away from trouble, to separate what is not good from what is bad. It means a separation. And this morning I'm begging you, are you here this morning? Are you saved? And if you're saved, what is the dimension of that? What are you tolerating? Satan must no longer have any room in your life. Jesus must take the place. You know, there was a time we used to count Christmases. You know, you say, ah, this is how many Christmases. How many people still do that? I've seen 12 Christmases. I've seen 13 Christmases. Now as a believer, determine that by this Christmas, some things must change in your life. Determine that as we are coming to celebrate this Christmas, you must have increased in some area. God must have taken place. Satan must have shifted from your life. It says your salvation. That's what Simeon called it. It wasn't just the birth of a baby. I've seen your salvation. He went on. He says the light to bring revelation to the Gentiles illumination, instruction. And it talks about the glory of your people. That's what it means. You see, you must understand the principle of captainship. You know what the thing about captainship is? The other day, uh, my wife told me that my daughter Tuski was saying, we have sacked our coach. You understand? Those of you that followed, they say we have sacked our coach. And we're discussing, who are the we? We have sacked our coach. We have sacked our coach. From where to where? <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, it's her team, isn't it? And they have sacked their coach. Now, the principle of captainship is that if your captain wins the battle, everybody bends his neck to receive the medal. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Jesus has conquered. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, I'm getting the medal as well. (laughs) I am getting, why? My captain has conquered. I'm bending my head to receive the medal. That's what it is. So if she can say, we have sacked her coach. This one is not coach, the captain. And he knows your name. He knows my name. He said we are brothers. He he said when he goes to the father, he's going to his father and your father. You're not a cousin. I understand. Simeon said this is what it is. The glory of Israel. Because when he rises, Israel will rise. Somebody let's celebrate Christmas. Let's celebrate Christmas. Let's celebrate Christmas. That's what it is. The redemption of God. The intervention of God. The victory of God. Hallelujah. And finally, we mention Anna. Anna is such a lesson. Sometime we'll we'll have time to study her life. Anna is such a lesson. So much to learn from her. What did Anna say when she came in? What was her own statement? She said, and coming in that instant, verse 38, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Israel. There's a Redeemer. There's a Redeemer. It doesn't matter how terrible things have gone. People of God, in Christ, there is a Redeemer. There is a Savior. And He's prepared for the work. He's enabled for the work. Let's bow our heads as we go to Him in prayer. You've
0: been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We're sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Quarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja, for telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www. W the Fathers Church God bless you.